Do you want to say uh, welcome if you're a guest? Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. It's good to, good to have you here today. Before we, uh, before we jump in and before we even pray together, I, I wanted to give you uh, an update on our, our lead pastor, Steve, and uh, his wife, Becky. Um, we sent out an all-church email on this, but uh, if you haven't gotten that, um, uh, we wanted you to know uh, Steve and Becky have had another tough week. Um, on Sunday night, Becky's dad had a stroke, and uh, from then on, he was in a coma, and uh, he died on, on Thursday evening. Um, so not only are Steve and Becky mourning the loss of, of their son, um, Greg, but, but now Becky's father as well. Um, a text from, from Steve on, on Thursday night, he, he said this. He said, it's amazing to think of Becky's dad in heaven <clears throat> with Greg, our son and his grandfather together in the presence of God uh, forever. Uh, what a cool picture, you know. Um, I, I want you to know they're, they're very grateful for your prayers. And uh, I would just ask you to, to keep pouring those out for them. Um, many of you are diligently praying for them. And, and I know you're praying that God's presence would be felt on them. And uh, I just want you to know in talking with Steve this last week, uh, they are evidently feeling the presence of God. And uh, so I would just uh, petition you to, to keep, keep praying those, <clears throat> those prayers for them. In light of that, uh, in light of this really hard time that our, our lead pastor is going through and his wife, uh, we're pushing back the date for our 30th year birthday celebration as a church. And uh, we're going to reschedule that for some time in November. And so we'll make sure that we communicate the details to you for that. Last week, we also talked about um, taking a special offering for our Pave the Way. Uh, we want to continue to make progress on that goal, um, but we're also um, going to push that offering back. Um, that'll be postponed to that celebration in November. I want to give you just one, um, one last reminder. Um, there'll be a reception, as you know, uh, for Steve and Becky, and uh, that'll be on October 1st. So you want to just take note of that. That'll be in the hub, which is on the, the north side of our, our building. So before we go any further, would you pray with me? And um, <clears throat> let's just ask God to really pour out his blessing on Steve and Becky and their daughter, Nikki, and, uh, and on Becky's mom as well. And then let's ask the Lord if he would teach us this morning. If, uh, you know, God has you here for a reason today. And so let's just ask that the Lord uh, would speak into our hearts as well. So, yeah, w- would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today and um, Lord, we lift up Steve and Becky to you and and it's, it's hard to imagine losing a son and, and then to, to top that with, with losing a father as well and a grandfather. Um, we just want to pray uh, for them. And uh, we want to lift them up to you and say, Lord, would you make this morning particularly, um, would you make your presence so known to them? Um, we just as God's people, we love them and we thank you for them. And um, we just pray, Lord, that today they see the hand of God. We pray you give them wisdom and courage to continue on through these trials. And uh, might they find their strength and, uh, and their joy in you, Lord. Um, and then, Lord, for us as a church today, we, we come to you. And, Lord, we just want to say as we open up your word, we, we pray that you would um, do a work inside each one of us today. Um, Lord, might there be a sense that God is on the move today. And um, so would you take a second just on your own and would you just ask the Lord, would you say, Lord, I, I invite you in. Lord, would you do something powerful in me? You know, maybe today you would say, you're also in the midst of a trial, and it's hard. You're in a rough spot. Um, maybe you would ask God today, Lord, would you just touch my heart today? Would you help me to, to sense your presence in a real way? So maybe just take a minute and say, Lord, I open up my heart, and Lord, I'm saying, would you come in, and would you do what only you can do? Go ahead and just have some sort of a conversation like that with God. Go ahead.
So, Lord, that's, um, <clears throat> that's our prayer today. We trust you, and we love you, and uh, we pray in your name. Amen. Well, today our, our text <clears throat> is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. And I hope that as we've journeyed through the book of Ephesians, your heart has been challenged, and your heart has been uh, deeply encouraged. You know, this week someone asked me, said, hey, how's preparation going? How's that passage in Ephesians 5? And and I said, man, it's one of those where you just, you marvel at it. I mean, it's amazing how God puts the truths of his scriptures together. Uh, you stand back and you go, wow. And I hope that this whole series has been that way for you. As we get to work in this text today, I believe that there's going to be a driving question that will help us not only understand the text, but it's also one of those questions that will help us apply the text. Um, here's that question. So if you're taking notes, jot, jot this down. Here it is. Where do you live? Now, now, you might be thinking, um, man, we're not second ser- or first service. We're a little sharper than them. Um, that's not a very deep question, Jeff. We can get an A on that one. But, but, but know this. It's, it's as deeper than your street address. Where do you live? The main point for this morning is this. The place where this text is going to drive us is, is found in verse 8. And it says, live as children of the light. Live in, live in the light. This passage will drive us to this question again and again, where do you live? Do you live in the light? Do you live in the arena where you would say your actions are, are pleasing to God? Or would you say, you know what, there are areas or my life maybe in general, I, I live in the darkness. And we all understand darkness, don't we? We understand what it means to live in a world that's fallen, in a world that's got pain, uh, in a world that where if someone speaks a harsh word to us, it has sting. We understand darkness. We understand that our actions can harm other people. We understand abuse. We understand the bondage that immorality can bring. We're going to see this morning that the Apostle Paul very clearly lays out that there are two different realms in which we can choose to live. Paul starts off in verse 1 of chapter 5 with an instruction on how to live in that first category. How do you live in the light? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. It's an amazing text. Now know this, he starts off with a bang, right out of the chute, these first four words. He says, be imitators of God. Now, we could stop right there, right after those first four words. Honestly, we could do the whole sermon on just those first four. Powerful. He's saying, I want you to be imitators of God. I want you to be like God. At our house on Thursday mornings, we kind of have this tradition, we call it family breakfast. And uh, it's the one morning where we just do breakfast together as a family. And so it's usually pancakes, you know, blueberry pancakes. And so this week, my son leans over, he's six years old, leans over the, the griddle and he says, hey, dad, can I whisper something in your ear? And I said, sure. And, and he said, dad, you know, with the pancake batter, he says, can you make me a guy on a snowmobile? You know, I don't, Mrs. Winter, I don't know what, you know. And, and I said, well, yeah, sure I can. But we're not like loving the secret thing going on in the house and not wanting your sister to know what's going on. So with the sister right there next to him, I said out loud, I said, yeah, no problem, Maiden. I can make you a guy on a snowmobile. To which you can imagine what the three-year-old daughter did. She said, oh, oh, and she got kind of flustered. She said, dad, 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 can you also make me a guy on a snowmobile? To which Aiden said, Dad, she always does that, you know, and he's just like into it. She just always wants to be always, you know, wants to be just like me. And so I said to him, I said, Aiden, I said, Aiden, buddy, it's, it's not a bad thing. I said, she is a smart little three-year-old girl. She's very sharp. 
I said, think about it. I'm trying to talk him out of this, you know. I said, think about it for a second. She wants to be like you. It's a compliment. He wasn't buying it. Not at all, right? But I, I was going for it, right? Yet just the night before, I mean, he gets this concept. Just the night before, I'm wearing a dark blue shirt. and We're getting him ready for bed, brushing teeth, whatnot. He kind of pulls on the back of my shirt and he says, Dad, this is my favorite shirt that you have. I said, oh, cool. And then he said, the reason, Dad, why it's my favorite is because it's dark blue. He said, Dad, I have a shirt the exact same color as you do. He said, Dad, maybe we can wear our shirts together on the same day and look alike, you know? And know this, this text says, be imitators, try to be like God. Isn't it true? And you've heard the statement before. Imitation is the highest compliment. The apostle Paul says, seek to be like God. Uh, Be imitators of God. Question, would you say that this is true of you? Do you want to be like God? Do you want to pattern your life after him? When I ask those two questions, how do they sit with you? Do you go, yeah, I want that. Or is it kind of like, I'm not so sure about that. Let's keep going. The apostle Paul is going to explain what it means to be an imitator of God. Rest of verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now, just, we'll stop there for a second because what he's saying is, hey, I want you to be an imitator of God, but I want you to do that in the context of the fact that you're a dearly loved child. He's talking about who we are. Do you remember when we were going through Ephesians in the earlier chapters? Over and over we found all of these hints about who we are in Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we, we found out about our identity. We learned about how much God loves us. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, it says, For we are God's workmanship. Verse 10. We are his masterpiece. The whole series is called that. I mean, he, he looks down on us. He goes, I made you. You're, you're my masterpiece. Ephesians 3.18, he says, I pray that you would be able to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ. You're dearly loved. I don't even know if you can grasp it. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Back to the question, where do you live? Because Paul is wanting his readers to be able to say, in every arena of my life, God, I want to be like you. You're the image that I'm going for. The love of Jesus was so great that that text says he gave himself up for us as an offering, as a sacrifice. Notice, if Christ wouldn't have done that, you and I would not have relationship with our creator. It would be impossible. But through that sacrifice, we do. And in that reality of the amazing love of God that he's saying, you can't even hardly grasp it. You can't grasp it. He's saying in that reality, I want you to live in the light of that. I want you to live in the light of love. When we get to verse 3, though, it's as though Paul kind of turns the corner a bit. It's like he gives us a warning. It's sort of like a caution sign comes up and says, watch out. He said, and and what he's about to do is there are things that will sideline our pursuit of imitating or wanting to live in the light of God. You'll notice that these things are the opposite of the selfless love of God that Paul has just instructed us to live in. Look with me at verse 3. But among, you there must, um, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed because, uh, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
nor should there be obscenity, fault, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, he says, thanksgiving. Notice that he gives us some instruction here, and he does it in a context that's very understandable. He breaks it down really into three different categories. Later, he's going to call these different categories, he's going to call them the deeds of darkness. Paul dresses in there, he dresses our words. Earlier in chapter 4, we learned that we're to speak to each other truthfully. We're supposed to speak truth into each other's lives. Uh, we learned that we're supposed to have no unwholesome talk go out of our mouths. I mean, that, that's a challenge, isn't it? And then he writes that there shouldn't be any foolish talk in, in these verses. He said there shouldn't be any coarse joking. And then notice, don't, don't miss this. He says that these things are, they're out of place. It's like, it's like okay, if you're walking in the light and you hear that, or if you say that, it's like there should be a warning flag that would go up because you know why? It's like it's out of place. It's like it just doesn't quite fit. But rather he's saying what should flow from our mouths is it's this idea of, of thanksgiving. In regards to your words, where do you live? Where do you live? Are, are you in the light? Are, are you a person that people would say of you, yeah, so-and-so, they speak the truth to me. Yeah, they, they have words of encouragement. They, they speak into my life. What would the overall cadence of your words be? Do you, where do you live? In the light or in the darkness? He goes on, he says, there shouldn't be greed. I was listening to one pastor teach on this same text, and, and he asked this question. I thought it was worth repeating. He said, what do you have that God did not give you? It's a good question. To be greedy is to... to, to to selfishly claim right to what God has simply put a stewards over. The opposite of greed is generosity. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you ever have, have you ever had this happen? You, you really want to go out and buy yourself something. Maybe it's even expensive. And it's no problem for you to have that want or that desire. I can relate to that. But then when it comes to like giving to the kingdom of God, to the, to the things of God, it's like all of a sudden there's like this little ripple. It's like, ooh, it's a little more difficult. To the kingdom, it's a little more of a struggle. Greed looks at one's money and it can continually says, what can I simply buy to make me happy? Paul says, hey, because you're a dearly loved child, I got to tell you, don't let greed grip your heart. Now, I live with that perspective. And this is a perspective changer that everything I have is from God. I'm simply a steward of what he's given me. Where do you live on this one? Would your bank statement, would my bank statement, would it be a reflection of generosity? Have you ever been around someone who's really generous? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been around that kind of person? Someone who just, they lived with open hands. The last category that, that uh, he talks about concerns morality. He writes in verse 3, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. The word there for sexual immorality is por pornea. It's where we get the word pornography. Now, we might read this and we might think to ourselves, yeah, it's understandable, though, how the Apostle Paul could write this um, to, uh, you know, to us, but we could kind of look at it and go, yeah, but things were different for Paul. We can understand why he might say there shouldn't be a hint of sexual immorality. I mean, the church of Ephesus was started in 61 AD. That's a long time ago. Remember that show, Little House on the Prairie? You know what I'm talking about? Remember that? Ladies wore bonnets on their heads, you know, and that whole thing. I think we can think this sometimes. We can think, you know what? Yeah, yeah, but. Paul lived in a different day. 
I mean, in Paul's day, there wasn't rampant immorality. Not the case. Roman society was promiscuous to the hilt. The church in Ephesus, founded in 61 AD, if you look at what was going on in their culture at that time, it will reframe how you think about the instruction which Paul gives his readers. Rulers like Nero, people who, who lived uh, lives of, of, a promise, uh, of promiscuously, they lived promiscuously, not only in, get this, not only in private, but they did it on stage. I mean, they lived that way in public, very publicly. Imagine for a second, if you lived in a culture where the political leaders were involved in a, a sex scandal. Imagine though, if, that wasn't a scandal at all. It was no big deal. Imagine if you lived in a realm where it was just the normal. It didn't, that didn't make the news. When Paul writes, among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. He writes from a perspective of one who really gets what that means. In Ephesians 5, verse 12, just a little later in the text, he says, for it is shameful even to mention, like even just to say what the disobedient do in secret. He got it. Where do we live on this one? Where do you live on this one? Are you engaged in anything that you would say, it's shameful, you know in your heart it is? Are you viewing pornography? Is that just a part of your life? 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee sexual immorality. It's like sexual immorality there, flee. Turn the other way and go. Why? Because the, the God who loves you says, it's destructive. I want you to get away from it. Flee from it. Hebrews chapter 13 says, marriage should be honored by all. If you want to imitate Christ, you want to live in the light, glory in morality, in what God has given us. He's given us sex and marriage in a relationship that is to be honored. A sexual relationship, get this, scripturally from God. It's not shameful. Not at all. I mean, there are times I'm reading the Song of Solomon and I'm going, is that in my, is this the Bible still? You know, I, you know what I mean? Not shameful, fully encouraged. So we should hold up marriage. Young people, don't miss this. Please don't miss this. Remember, God has a good thing for you. And you might be thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, but, and yeah, and I, I just kind of want to compromise. Remember this. The instruction that you get, it might seem sometimes it's, it's sort of constraining. But know this, later, it's liberating. And the God of the universe who's loved, who loves you has given you instruction. And, and I know this one's hard to grasp because I've been there. Know this, that heavenly father, he's smarter than you. He is. I know it. It's hard to get. But he really is. So grab a hold of that Brookside Church. The next generation needs to see that marriage is honorable. That because of God's love for us, there is a context, a special context for a man and a woman. It's honorable. Let's keep going. Look at verse 5. It says, for this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater. Meaning this, the idea is that a person that would put other things, whether they be possessions or desires, they would put those things before the ways of God. That person is, a, is an idolater. Um, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Meaning this, in Paul's day and age, there would have been people just like there is are today. There would have been people that were saying to Paul, hey, just do what you feel. 
You got the passion? Go for it. That's just how you're, you're made up. Just like today, just like in Paul's day. But Paul's saying, Noah, don't let anyone deceive you with those kind of empty words because they are empty. And then he goes on and he says, therefore, verse 7, do not even be partners with them. Meaning don't join in their sin. Don't, don't imitate them. Don't idolize those in our world who are living in complete darkness. Don't, don't do that. And rather, back to verse 1, I love this. What does he say? Be imitators of God. And what I love about this message is it's, 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 it isn't simply saying, hey, be a person who's known for what you're against. It's not saying that. He's saying, I want you to be a person that's constantly pursuing God. I don't want you to be a person that's constantly consumed with the darkness of our culture. They just get you down every day. Rather, Paul is saying, be on the offensive side of the ball. Be imitators of God. Live in the light. Instead of simply detesting the evil of others, be the kind of person that's consumed with being an imitator of God. Be consumed with living in the light. Let's keep going. Look what he says in, in verse 8. He says, For you were once darkness. You were once darkness. Now, you might remember when the Apostle Paul, when he started this letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, he writes this way. This is how he addresses them. And just kind of hear this in the context of him saying, you once were darkness. When he starts the letter to the Ephesians, he writes to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. You were once, he's saying, in darkness, but you're not anymore. Now who are you? You're the faithful in Christ. A transformation has taken place. You've, you've gone from darkness. You were characterized by darkness. You were. You know, you might be here today and you would say of yourself, you would say, you know, I am characterized by darkness and honestly, I don't know that I can get out of that. I don't know. I don't know. And you're speaking honestly. I don't know if God can still really change me. That's a good question. But hear this, the answer to that question is yes. I mean, that's exactly what Paul is pointing out, that there's a transformation that's taken place. That you're a people, Ephesians, where you used to live in darkness, but now you've stepped out of darkness. You're living in the light. You've moved forward. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if, if anyone is in Christ, what is he? He's a new creation. The old, gone. The new, it's come. He's talking about there, there's transformation that can take place. Let's keep going. Look with me at verse 8. The rest of it there. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. You know, that really stuck out to me, that statement there in verse 10. And find out what pleases the Lord. It's like this discovery. It's like, hey, find out. Hey, when you get up in the morning, that day, tomorrow, rest of the day, find out what pleases the Lord. It's like ongoing. It's like we seek to find, Lord, Lord, what would please you in this? You know, the reason why I, I want to find out what pleases my wife is because I'm in love with her. Paul is saying, with your life, be seeking out what pleases the Lord. Where do you live on this one? I think we've got to take these challenges of Scripture very seriously. Do you and I live in a place where with our, with our words, we would say, yeah, I live in the light. With our money, we would say, yeah, okay, uh, I don't know. Light, darkness, where are we? How about with our morality? With all of these things, 
Could it be said, could it be true of us that we would say, we're living to please the Lord? Let's keep going. Look at verse 11. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Where do you live? The command is clear in this passage. It's saying, live in the light. You were once in darkness, now having the deeds of of darkness. You know what those are. He's saying, I want you to expose them. Do you remember what, what darkness is like, particularly as a little kid? I'm going to ask our tech guys. You guys can go ahead and just bring down the lights a little. Yeah, turn them off. Remember what, what being in the dark is like as a, as a little kid? You remember that feeling? My daughter, she's three years old, and, and uh, when I put her to bed, this happens every night. She says to me, she says, Dad, can you just leave the door open? Daddy, can you just leave the door open just a little bit? She said, it's just, it's too dark in here, and I'm scared. And you know this, if you've, if you've lived in darkness a long time, or even if you're dabbling in darkness now, you know that over time it brings pain. It brings hardship. And the Apostle Paul is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to expose the darkness. I want you to bring light to it. But know that he's not saying this. It's not as though the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what, I want you to be kind of like a darkness of deeds detector, you know? And as a Christian, you just walk around and you're just looking for people, right? And you go and, sinner, you know, and, and you just keep going. Another one in the back row, sinner, you know? Sorry if you're a guest, that's sort of uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> Welcome to Brookside. Right? You can turn on the lights. He's not saying I want you to be that type of a Christian. He's saying, not saying I want you to walk around and, and I want you to be known for saying things like, I caught you. I saw what you did. You're so bad. Naughty, right? He's not saying that, right? I can't believe that you did that. He, No, no. Paul is saying live. Live in the light. Be so consumed with imitating God that other people look at you. They look at your light. So we tell our, our son, six years old, we say, hey, you go to school, you just, you live for God. You know what's going to happen, Aiden? People around you, your friends, they might start asking, why is Aiden different? Teachers might start to wonder. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter five, let your light, let it shine before men that they might see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Meaning this, do such a good job of imitating God that other people, they see it and they want to have the same thing you have. I think the question of this text then becomes this. How do you live in the light? How do you go from darkness to light? With me at verse 13. It says, but everything, everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Light makes everything visible, doesn't it? It's much better in here now, isn't it? The first step towards walking in the light is exposing the darkness. I love this verse. You talk about hope. 1 John chapter 1, verse 16. If we confess our sins... It says he is faithful and just and he will forgive us our sins. And get this, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. That's your question though. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to live with unconfessed sin? It's heavy, isn't it? How about this? Have you ever gone on a trip? Let me just grab this real quick. Have you ever gone on a trip and you pack too heavy? Anybody ever done that? 
You're, you know, you're going on a trip. I've led a lot of missions trips with teenagers, and there's usually always one girl, at least one girl, that um, will pack way too heavy. And so she'll get to the airport, and, and she might get past, like, the weigh-in thing, but it's just too heavy. You know what I mean? And so for the whole trip, it's just like, oh, you know, lugging it around. Isn't it true? Unconfessed sin is heavy, isn't it? You know, I was talking with a guy that was um, in an affair, and um, I said to him, I said, you know what? I said, until you go public, until this gets out, until you confess, it's like you're carrying luggage around. And, and this isn't unique to just him. I mean, we can all relate to this, right? When we sin in secret and it stays secret, it's heavy. It's a burden. It's like carrying extra weight around. So much so that the people in our lives, it's the spouse who says, hey, what's, what's wrong? You, you seem to be acting differently. What's wrong? Why are, you, why are you doing that? You used to never like snap like that. What's wrong? It's the friend that says, hey, something's changed about you. What's going on? What, what is that? Living with secret sin, know this, and you do know this. We all know this. It is torture to the soul. David wrote this in Psalm 32, and we can all relate to this. He said, when I kept silent, my bones, they wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand, Lord, it was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And here's, listen to this. Don't miss this. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David saying, hey, when I... When I kept silent, it was heavy. It was hard. There was bondage. I was attached to it. But then I confessed. And it's broken. The bondage is broken. David's saying, you know, when I confessed my sin, what happened? I was forgiven. The mess still remains, doesn't it? You know that. And it takes time to clean up the mess. But there is a sense of freedom that can only be had in Christ. And because of God's love for us in this text, it's saying, hey, if you're in darkness, because I love you, because you're a dearly loved child, because I, I want you to understand a love that you can't even grasp, because that's true, oh, expose your sin. Bring light to it so that you can find freedom. Stepping into the light can be hard, but it's freeing. James chapter 5 says, confess your sin to each other. And, and you can ask the question in the text when I read that. And I say, well, why? That's a big deal. Why would I want to do that? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? It says that you may be healed. Imagine a people, imagine a church where at all costs, we sought to please the Lord, to, to live in the light, that we were willing to, to honestly pay the, the hard high price of exposing darkness in our lives. The impact of that would be undeniable because when we do that, who gets exalted? Jesus Christ gets exalted. Because we begin to live in, in freedom. And it's different. And people notice that. And ultimately, God gets glorified. Imagine the impact of that. Imagine the impact of a church, of a, of a, of a whole group of people living that way. This morning, the question is this. Where do you live? Is the answer in the light? Or are there areas where you'd say, you know what, I'm still carrying the bag. I'm still carrying it. Might we be a people that we say, you know what, let's expose the light. Let's not live in darkness. Let's be the kind of people that we say, let's imitate our maker.
Let's be an imitator of God. Let's pray together to that end. Lord, I thank you this morning that your text, um, while it is hard, your text brings conviction. It brings challenge. And Lord, now we just want to say to you, we want to be faithful to what we've heard today. We thank you for your word, that it's alive and that it's active. Lord, I think of the person that's here today that's stuck in secret sin. Uh, Maybe they're in bondage by pornography or or some other area of life that it's, it's their own secret. It's not yet been exposed. God, I pray for freedom for them today. God, I pray that they would break the bondage of sin. Confess. God, I think of the young person who's here today and and they're saying, you know what? I'm tired of of feeling like the odd person out. I want to compromise. Lord, I pray you give them the courage not to settle today, but to continue to seek after what you have for them. I think of the single person that's here today that they've longed to be married for so long. Lord, would you give them the strength to hang in there and to trust you? Lord, we say it and we're about to sing it. Only you can satisfy, Lord. Lord, that's the cry of our hearts, Lord. Help us to be a people. Where do we live? Might we live in the light? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and uh, let's make this song our prayer today.